Hello and welcome to the Positive Choices Podcast, where we give you brain-based strategies to help children make positive choices, solve social problems, regulate strong feelings, and thrive. I'm Lindsay Keeley, a social and emotional learning specialist and your host. In today's episode, we're talking about emotional regulation, what to do with those big, strong feelings. And more specifically, we're thinking through the meaning of self-regulation and how we can rethink this concept as it pertains to how we regulate these strong feelings with others and also the skills that we use ourselves. Let's get started. Hi there. I hope you're having a great start to your week. It is just gorgeous here in Central Oregon. It's beautiful blue skies, so warm out. So I'm excited. I'm going to be going on a walk and listening to some podcast episodes myself. So whether you find yourself on a walk or driving or doing laundry, thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen to this episode and engage in this important conversation about self-regulation. And this topic started, the idea for this topic started a while ago, about a year ago, in fact. And my husband and I were on a road trip. And ever since I started to learn about podcasts, I now use road trips as an avenue to nerd out on the latest research about things that interest me and my husband, who is so kind and also likes to learn about interpersonal neurobiology and different topics. He is very kind and listens to episodes with me as we're driving. And also he makes sure to bring some of his own podcast episodes that he enjoys, especially from Stuff You Should Know. They have a bunch of interesting topics, random, random topics, and you get to learn interesting facts about the world that you can bring up during a party. And someone would say, wow, that's really specific. I'm impressed you know about the origins of pizza or whatever topic. So those are usually his podcast episodes of choice. But on one particular trip we went on, we were listening to Therapist Uncensored, which is an excellent, wonderful podcast show. And they had Tina Payne Bryson, Dr. Tina Payne Bryson, and Dr. Dan Siegel on the show for one episode. And something totally blew me away. And I had my husband like, pause, let's rewind. Let's listen to this part of the episode again. We listened to that one part of the episode probably three times. (laughs) And we did this because Dr. Dan Siegel said something to the effect of, I don't like to use the term self-regulation or using the term self-regulation doesn't really fit his concept or what he likes to describe under the big umbrella term of emotional regulation. And I stopped for a second and I thought, wait a second, self-regulation, the ability for one to regulate or cope with strong feelings, that's what I'm all about. I want to teach kids how to self-regulate. Like, wait a minute, Dr. Siegel, who I'm like a major fangirl over, Dr. Siegel doesn't like that term. Wait, what? So after listening a couple times to that episode, and then after getting Dr. Siegel's book, which by the way, if you have some time on your hands, and if you love learning about psychology and neuroscience, um, this book is called The Developing, the Developing Mind. It's the third edition, and that's by Daniel Siegel. And Essentially, the concept of this book is all about how relationships and the brain interact to shape who we are. And in this particular interview, Dr. Dan Siegel said, when we say self-regulation, the emphasis is on oneself, teaching someone else how to handle their emotions by themselves. And 
what he said is when we think about regulating emotions, coping with emotions within the context of just a singular person, we're cutting off or we're narrowing the big picture of how people can healthfully handle feelings. And if we're prioritizing teaching kids ways that they can soothe themselves or regulate themselves without the bigger picture of using adult relationships and the relationships of others as a means for regulating we're really limiting our understanding. And another reason we should tune into this is because there can be some unintended consequences of emphasizing self-regulation, at least when you think of the term as being have a child regulate by themselves without others, they need to learn how to do it. So what is an alternative? What's a different way we can think about self-regulation? And something that Dr. Siegel pointed out was the concept of inner regulation and inter-regulation. And inner regulation he describes as being one's ability to, ability rather to use coping skills or different skills that one person has to cope with strong feelings or to regulate feelings. So that might include taking deep breaths by, by oneself. For a child, that might look like taking a brain break and drawing. We have a, a video, YouTube video all about brain breaks. I'll link that in the show notes. And that's something a child can do, taking a calming break. It could also look like reading a book or designing something with Legos, anything that a child can do to kind of start to breathe, let his glitter settle or emotions kind of settle down if if there's some really strong feelings happening. And there's nothing wrong with that. Self-regulation, let me be clear, having skills that someone can use on their own to regulate strong feelings is excellent. But if we overemphasize the self and say, we need to let kids do it by themselves, we are negating a very important idea, which is co-regulation, or as he describes it, inter-regulation. So you have inner, someone using skills and strategies themselves, inner, and then inter is reaching out and connecting with someone else and allowing other people in your life to help you when you go through challenging events and challenging emotions that you're struggling with. Last week's episode, we talked about the importance of turning towards someone else. I'll link that in the show notes. And we talked about the research done by Dr. John Gottman, and he talks about when couples turn toward one another with their bids for connection, and they reach out when one person says, hey, let's connect, or how can I help you? And the other person acknowledges that, or as he describes, returns the bid or turns towards that other person. That is actually a very high predictor of how long a couple will be married for. And so as we think about inner regulation with, let's say, a caregiver and a child or even a a teacher and a student, when we have children reaching out to adults and saying, hey, I'm really upset, can you help me? Or as an adult from the outside, if we can see that a child's really struggling and emotional, if we can come alongside and say, I see you, I can tell that something's really difficult right now for you, and I am here for you. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to work through every emotion and do that heavy lift for our children. In fact, we want to be coming alongside them and allowing them to experience emotions, to really feel them, to feel felt, of course, as we're coming alongside, but also to give them opportunities to find ways to healthfully deal with their emotions. So to build that 
inner regulation. And also we want to make sure that we are available and that kids know it is okay and it's good to ask for help. It's important for them to come to us no matter how little of a thing they're upset by. Maybe their Lego tower breaks and they are crying. Maybe you don't allow them to bring all of their toys into the bathtub at bath time and they are just really having a hard time with that. So rather than saying that is not a big deal or don't cry over that, that's that's not something to cry over. If we can just acknowledge and say, oh, I know that's upsetting when things don't go our way, or even just, I can see that's really hard for you and you're crying and it's difficult when we don't get to do the things that, that we want to. So literally just coming alongside a child and saying, I see you, you can name the emotion and say, I'm here for you. That's one way of interregulating. You're coming alongside, you're being emotionally attuned to them, and you're letting them know that you're there. And so when we start to think of how can we help children by letting them build some skills about what to do when they feel upset, and also how can we encourage them to come to us, and how can we come alongside them rather than saying, you need to go to your room, and when you're feeling better, then come downstairs, Rather than doing that, how can we say, I'm here for you, and maybe going to your room and having some calming tools is a a great thing to utilize, but let's be there for our children and say, I'll start this with you. Let's sit down, let's color together, and then when you're feeling better, I'm going to get back to my work emails or telling a child maybe in the classroom setting, I know as a teacher, I would do this, oh, buddy, I can tell you're upset. Here, let's walk over to the brain break tub. We had different regulation uh, materials. Let me walk with you. Okay. Now let's set the timer. We'd have a sand timer. Okay. What are you going to do? Play-Doh. That is an excellent choice. I bet that will help your brain feel better. Now I have to go back to the carpet and keep teaching the math lesson. I'm going to be right across the classroom. You can still see me. You can turn. And when you look at me, I'll give you a wink and a smile. So I can't sit here with you right now, but I am here for you. And come check back in with me or I'll come over and check in on you in just a little bit. So as we can start to think about encouraging children with our words, that's one great way. So tip number one would be to encourage children to come to us when they have strong feelings. If a child is crying and they, even if they come over to you without verbalizing that they need support, we could say, oh, I can tell you're upset. Thank you for coming to me. Or I am so glad that you walked over to me, or I'm so glad that you told me that you were sad about your Spider-Man, your (laughs) Spider-Man, yeah, Spider-Man, that's the name, (laughs) that your toy couldn't go with you in the bathtub. Thank you for sharing that with me. It's so important for us to share our feelings with each other. So just acknowledging um, a child pointing it out and saying how that's a healthy choice and that's something that's good to connect with someone else. And a second tip, In addition to encouraging children to come to us with those strong feelings, another thing that we can do is give them a menu of options of things that they can do to inner or self-regulate. And what that does is it gives them a big picture of, okay, here are all the things that I can do when I feel upset. And as I've emphasized in other podcast episodes, when we give children choice, when we give them the opportunity to practice that autonomy and agency, 
that is going to be a really successful experience oftentimes, and it's going to start to build those autonomy skills where they're doing things for themselves. And so if we give them a variety of choices that they can make to help them when they have strong feelings, then they can start to learn, A, I have some uh, power and I have some ability to help my brain when I feel dysregulated, and B, I have a choice in the matter, and I can find things that work for me. And when we work, when we come alongside a child and work with them to find choices that they can make to feel better, that's where the magic happens. So in Positive Choices curriculum, we call this healthy choices. You could also think of this as like coping skills. In fact, the first version of the curriculum, we called these different choices coping skills. This includes exercise, sleep, eating healthy foods, creating, taking a brain break, listening to music, a variety of behaviors that it, that's been found in the research to really be helpful with emotional regulation. And when we called it coping skills, it was really within the context of how do we cope with stressors? However, the more research I did, the more I realized, wait a second, Rather than having an intervention-based approach of, okay, I'm really stressed out, now I pick this choice, I, I do this behavior, this activity to help me when I'm stressed. Rather than having an intervention model, what if we make it more preventative and step back and say, okay, what are the behaviors and the choices I can be making in my life that's going to set me up for success, that's going to minimize the level, that's not the, this isn't to say you're going to get rid of all your stress, but it's going to minimize the depth and the level of stress that seeps in from your life and give you some patterns, some habits that are that can be strong in your life. So for instance, rather than saying, let's use exercise only as an intervention model, when you're really upset, I'm going to go on a run. Now, of course, that's great, but let's start to build an exercise as a daily routine. Let's start to build in journaling or creation or outdoor time as a daily practice that way we have these coping skills, we have these neural pathways that are occurring in the brain. So that's why our newest version of Positive Choices Curriculum calls it healthy choices. These are things that you can do on a daily basis regardless of how strong your feelings are, regardless of the amount of stress in your life. These are really good habits. And as a quick side note, I am not one who exercises every day. That is not a frequent healthy choice that I make, but it is a goal of mine. I'd love to move from one to two days a week to hopefully more. But one of the reasons why we want to start to teach kids about healthy habits and positive choices in the context of coping is because when they are adolescents, when they are in high school, we want them to have a variety of habits and choices that they can make when they're feeling stressed, when it's finals time, when they're about to take their AP tests, what do they do to help soothe or to help regulate those feelings and that stress? And so hopefully when they're young, if we can start to build these habits in and teach them the why in the curriculum, we talk about why making certain choices is good. And we really tie it back to neuroscience and how this helps your brain. And when your brain is working hard and when it's healthy, then this affects your entire life. So the more we can give kids the why, the more we can get them excited about how their choices impact their brain and therefore their life, the more investment and engagement that we get from children. So that's just a side note about 
why it's important to give the why, as well as getting kids on a healthy trajectory so that they have very concrete, tangible things that they can do in the face of stress, especially when they are surrounded by maybe negative peer pressure in adolescence and early adulthood when it comes to coping with stress in ways that aren't helpful or beneficial. We want them to have some alternative neuropathways in their brain that they can use rather than harmful or unhealthy ones. So you can teach children about healthy choices and you can allow them to start to practice different choices when they're feeling great. That way, when they have strong feelings and they need some regulation support, you can have them pick a healthy choice. Hey, what's a healthy choice that would help your brain right now? If a child is so dysregulated right now, I have my glitter brain frame as I've referenced in previous episodes, and I'm looking at it. If I were speaking with the child, I would probably shake the glitter brain frame and say, buddy, it seems like your brain's mixed up. What can you do to help your brain feel better? And maybe they don't know. So you'd say, oh, let's look here. There's a positive choices, um, healthy choices poster that has visuals for the different activities and different things you can do, healthy habits, that is. And on this poster, since I learned about the importance of inner and interregulation, I added a couple more options. So in addition to the basic self-regulation type activities, journaling, drawing, creating, breathing, exercising, those things that can be done solo. I also have an option that says, enjoy time with others or spend time with others and ask for help. So we can start to get children aware of the fact that being in relation with someone else and reaching out, those are actually healthy choices that can help their brain in addition to ones that they do by themselves. You can show this resource to a child and they could pick out maybe one or two. Maybe you could say, here, I'll help you pick out the first choice, then you pick the second one. So being able to use visuals, pictures when when children are dysregulated, that is really powerful for the brain because a child is able to have a multi-sensory input. So they're hearing the auditory input where you're speaking to them. And then they're also getting that visual input where they're looking at different pictures. And then there can be a somatic or sensory input when you're actually having them move their hand and use their finger to actually touch the picture and touch the choice that they want to practice, what they want to choose. And as a side note, it's actually really helpful. And in um, psychotherapy, they talk about helping adults pick out positive coping skills or, or choices, activities that adults can do when, when they're under stress and under pressure, and just really having these top of mind to know, okay, what are my go-tos? And this is especially helpful when you're trying to terminate bad habits. So the final tip is to think about what will this look like? What will this topic or this situation look like in adolescence and in early adulthood as you're trying to decide whether or not a certain practice is helpful? So for instance, if you are a caregiver and your child is coming to you all the time with maybe their toy broke and then they stub their toe and then they don't know what color crayon to use on a drawing that they're doing. Um, As you're having your child come to you, Maybe if you're starting to think, oh my gosh, this is so difficult. I really do not want my child to keep coming to me all the time. Or maybe you're a teacher and you're having after recess, a swarm of students come up to you and saying all the issues that happen during recess time and wanting your help. Now in the moment as adults, we have so many things on our plates and so many, so many different things that are 
bidding for our connection, our attention rather, what we can do is start to think, okay, what will this look like down the road? So when that child or when our students are adolescents, when they're in high school and they're struggling, they're grappling with something, we want them to come to us. So the more times we're able to meet children when they're young, when we're able to have them build those neuropathways and say, yes, I'm here. That doesn't mean that you have to have a 10 minute, 20 minute conversation every time a child wants to debrief why the toy couldn't go in the tub. But if you keep giving the messaging and you keep reaffirming, yes, I'm here for you. Yes, come to me. Let's talk. Reach out. I love it when you talk with me. I'm here to help you. The more that children hear this, the more positive messaging they get about this, the better. And we want to see that when they're in high school, we want them to come to us when they're struggling with a big issue. We want that habit and we want those neural pathways to be in their brain. And furthermore, if you're like me, and when you're first hearing this concept of the unintended consequences of focusing on self-regulation, if you're thinking, wait a minute, I think the emphasis should be on self-regulation. Think about that across the lifespan. So this third tip is to think about how does this apply to children in adolescence and adulthood? Well, when we look at a healthily functioning adult with secure adult relationships, when there is a stressful situation, a healthy habit, a healthy pattern of behavior is to turn towards someone else. You have a really difficult day at work. You want to be able to go to your partner, your spouse, friend, whomever it is, and say, gosh, I had a really hard day, and here's what happened, and thank you for listening. That is something that we want. We know in the research that those are really important behaviors and patterns of behavior to do to help cope with stress. And the alternative would be going to your partner and saying, oh, I had such a hard day. And if your partner said, you know what, you really need to self-regulate. You need to get better at working this out on by yourself. As adults, when we hear that, when I first heard that and thought of that, I was like, oh my goodness, that would be devastating. Thomas knows that that would never fly. So as we think about what this looks like with children, We want them to have these habits. We want them to know that A, it's important to ask for help and B, we are there to greet them and meet them with support and to acknowledge that they have needs and that we're there to help them. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Positive Choices Podcast. I hope that as you go about your week, you're able to find opportunities to encourage children to come to you with big feelings, that you're able to start to think through some healthy choices or coping skills with kids. Again, you can check out our show notes with a link to a YouTube video and resource, downloadable resource for that. And then finally, as you're kind of grappling with how to handle a specific situation with a child, just think, think through the types of skills and the types of behaviors that you want that child or children to do later on in life. So I hope that the rest of your week is full of connection, opportunities to build secure attachment and time spent with loved ones. And I will chat with you next week in our next episode of the Positive Choices Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to get more videos that have resources for children, families, and teachers. And also be sure to check us out on social media. We have an Instagram page and a Facebook page. And we now have some books that are available on Amazon. And you can check out all of these resources that I mentioned by going to positivechoices.com slash links. That's P-A-W-S-I-T-I-V-E choices.com slash links. 
I will talk with you soon.